episode of the game podcast i'm your host jerry thompson here with me are michael majors and andrew brown uh, a couple of pro tour attendees as i mentioned last weekend i will not be attending the pro tour but i'm definitely going to scg columbus and baltimore we have a pretty powerful set that is going to make for some interesting week one standard happenings and i'm sure an interesting pro tour andrew says that his team basically broke it but he can't tell us you know, we're not we're not necessarily talking about what's best in standard. We're talking about what decks we expect to have to play against. The list, I think, is kind of surprising because it looks much different than the last couple weeks of standard, I suppose. Like, Majors and I did a versus video today. The matchup was Blue-White Spirits against Green-Black Delirium, so we're going to start there. Our, our list is about, like, six decks long, six, seven, however you want to break down certain things. But I'm just going to let Majors talk about his Spirits deck. Okay. Yeah, so I played the, the uh, Blue-White Spirits deck today. As most people probably know, Spirits basically just got handed, like, tons of goodies from Eldritch Moon. Kind of the headline is Spell Queller, which has kind of seen, like, some hype both in the Spirits deck because of its obvious creature type, but also maybe in, like, a company shell or even reaching out into other decks just because the card's so powerful. That, in combination with Reflector Mage, really gives any, like, Blue-White base deck a really powerful foundation of three drops. So the, the the big disparity that I've seen over like people talking about it on the internet and authors writing about it is kind of this this idea of whether the blue white spirits deck should be like a dedicated flash deck or not. And I think that people are kind of like too much like harped on the past and like the Restoration Angel days, and they're like obsessed with this idea that like blue white spirits should just be a dedicated flash deck. And I, I kind of disagree. Well, you know, even in Flash, we still played Augur of Bolas and occasionally, like, Supreme Verdict and stuff, you know? Like, th- there's no reason, I think, to go hard one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you have Rattle Chains, which kind of facilitates all of your heavy hitters getting Flash. It's a really nice, like, disruptive card and efficient beater. Spellqueller naturally has Flash. You're playing a bunch of, like, tricky cards, like uh, Essence Flux and some Counterspells. And then, like, you know, you can give your Nibbles a Frost, flash like what, what else do you need and and that's like another thing like i'm, I'm seeing people have deck lists with like anywhere from like zero to three nipples of frost which doesn't make a lot of sense to me i, I think that's probably the most it, okay I, I i'll take that back it's not as powerful as spell queller but it's the second best card i think it's the most powerful card as far as <clears throat> like things that are able to just dominate a game on their own Otherwise, the deck just feels like a bunch of, like, small... It, it, like, gains a bunch of small edges here and there, and Nibbles of Frost is just this thing that is, like, pure power. Yeah, so, like, you know, you might, like, get your opponent down to 12 or whatever, and then you play Nibbles of Frost, and they're, like, starting to get some traction on the battlefield, and then you just, like, tap their thing, hammer them for 8, and the game's over. I mean, th- those are, like, the major point of contentions that I see, and as, as an additional facet of the fact that people are, like, super interested in having this Flash deck, they also want Mausoleum Wonder. Which, you know, despite being a kind of functionally better Judges of Familiar, which is, you know, a, a fine constructed card in its own right, it's proven that with two Pro Tour victories. Jerry and I have, have played, you know, some Spirits, and we, we kind of disagree with the notion that that card is the core of the deck. We disagree with the masses, right? Not necessarily with each other. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Correct, yes. Okay, yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like this card is just way too underpowered for what the deck is trying to do. That's basically it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Blue-eyed decks in the past have always had a low power level, and I'm not interested in really adding more low power cards. And uh, another thing that seems to be happening is like people are playing this card, but not 
bunch of selfless spirits. And selfless spirit, you know, against things besides like languish, is pretty good at protecting like your Niblis of Frost and your other hard hitters like Spellqueller. So I, I think that card's just better just because the deck doesn't have like a you know ton of powerful two drops anyway, so you might as well just play a two mana thing with two power by default instead of a one mana thing. Yeah, I just like that card as a benevolent bodyguard. You know, like it, it might get them for like four damage or whatever, but I don't know, card just seems real nice. It's also just like another thing that I mean, I guess Mausoleum Wonder is pretty difficult to play against with Flash too, but if you have rattle chains on the battlefield, then like selfless spirit becomes like another trick that you have. Something that uh, always struck me about the current like state of the blue white spirits in this like rough shape of we don't quite know what exact numbers are, but it strikes me as mostly like a best case scenario kind of deck where you have to you're anticipating that you have rattle chains out or you're doing all these cool little things when your opponent could just be doing like playing powerful card after powerful card after powerful card and you're just kind of playing these two ones. So I'm not exactly sold on this deck yet just because of the low power level of the individual cards, except for Spellqueller. I definitely think that this is a metagame deck. This is the type of deck that is going to beat up on like, I don't know, just, you know, some sort of more mid-rangey deck or control deck, uh, a, a slow aggro deck type of thing. Like, this deck can very easily suffer from people getting under you or just having, like, too much spot removal and just, like, a lot of other things. So I think this deck has, like, a bunch of issues, but it was already kind of a player before and now it got a bunch of new stuff. So it, it's slightly better than it was before, but I don't think this is ever going to be the best deck. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think this is a, a good week one deck just because since the format is new, people aren't going to have the correct numbers. So I would just advocate for playing powerful cards instead of the situationally powerful cards. I'm not sure I actually agree with the notion that this isn't a good week one deck. Like, I, I agree that this deck isn't particularly good at blocking, so like you can get under it. But you're still playing, you know, Reflector Mage, Spell Queller, Essence Flux, like you, you and Nibbles of Frost, you know, presumably if you, in, in my opinion, built the deck correctly. And then, like, you know, you, you have some ability to race. It's definitely difficult for your opponent to play around everything you could have at any given point because you have, like, Rattle Chains, Counter Spells, Essence Flux. And uh, the I think the upper ceiling of the Spirit's deck's draws are, are very powerful and, and hard to play against. It's just, like, yeah, sometimes you're going to play some games where you just have some, like, dorky two power flyers and you're kind of like top decking some lands and just more two power flyers and you're not going to compete yeah i agree with that i i don't know i i do feel like the deck is very tricky and people might not be used to playing against it especially like you know optimal or close to optimal refined lists so i do feel like as a week one deck people might do pretty well with it just because it is difficult to play against until you know you get used to it and you know, you start recognizing play patterns and building your deck to, like, beat certain draws and stuff like that. It's just, like, the, you know, maybe you get got by, like, Rattle Chains once or you get got by, like, Rattle Chains flashing into Selfless Spirit once or something like that. But, like, you're, you're going to get people, but at the end of the day, it's going to be, like, really tough to win the tournament. Yep, agree with that. I don't okay. know if I'm in love with Nimbalus of Frost as, I, as much as you are, Michael. I don't know, every time I've tried to play with it. It's just a removal magnet. I mean, I don't know what kind of decks you're playing against, but it's just easy target on four. I mean, I guess you can flash it in with rattle chains, but again, that just seems like more best case scenario. So I think the biggest issue that people might have with this card is like actually running out of spells. And I think anticipate is a pretty big reason to like actually play Nibbles or Frost. And I also think like four selfless spirit is just like another thing that people don't do where you could get to, like, tap out, play your four-mana card, and they can't, like, ruin his path it or whatever. Like, there are definitely some things that get around it, 
But I think selfless spirit helps a lot, and so does anticipate. That strikes me as like a chiefs and Indians problem. Like you, you want the spells, but you also want the spirits, and you kind of have to draw them in the like in a good balanced fashion. Or if you yeah. draw too much of one or the other, it could be bad. Yeah, it anticipates a split card. It's whatever you want it to be. Well, sure, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's basically demonic tutor, man. Uh, all right. <laughs> So, so moving on then, or? Well, I have a little yeah. bit to say about Spell Queller. I've been playing, you know, a lot with this card. Uh, it's definitely really up my alley. It's like flashy, countery, tempo-based. Something that I've noticed, though, is that if you're holding it up on three, it's most likely correct to just always play it afterwards on end of turn, even if you don't get a spell. Yeah, but I mean, that's fine. Like, there, there is a certain risk involved of, like, trying to save it to counter a thing because they can always just kill it and get their thing back, right? Yeah, so. it can it can often be a liability too. I guess if you're like munching a languish or something that could could cause some awkward scenarios, but yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. So moving on then, <laughs> do you have it. anything to say it. about my spell queller statement, Jerry? No, I mean, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, you're just talking about flashing it in if they don't do anything? Yeah, like just yeah. flash... Because losing the tempo is just such a... Yeah, I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's draw dependent. You know, obviously, if you just have, like, a bunch of air or whatever, then maybe it's better to just hold on to it if you're not going to do anything else next turn either. But I do think that in most games where both players have reasonable draws and, you know, if they're just like, oh, yeah, spell queller, I'm not going to play my spell, okay, then just jam it and then attack them. You know, like, yeah. you can always, like, flux it or whatever you have to do, right? So Yeah, to, to me, that just represents the classic, like, decks like these have to get damage. They have to get presence on the battlefield. Like, you just should just cast your spells, probably. Yeah, agreed. But again, it's not it's not set in stone or anything. But, yeah, we'll move on for real this time. So I played, I played a weirdo green-black delirium deck, or black-green, I guess. We named it Black Green Colorless Eldrazi Emerge Delirium, I think. You forgot the stuff at the end. Oh, stuff. Yeah, mm. stuff. Okay, so basically I think Grimflayer is good as a two-drop. Yep. Uh, it is It is pretty powerful. You hit them once, and Delirium is likely online, and it's also like very easy to snowball, because if you got to hit them the first time, it probably means that you're going to get closer to another removal spell or whatever you need to actually keep hitting them. Plus... 4-4 Trample on, like, turn 3 is probably means that they don't have anything that can trade with it anyway. So, uh, I do like that card. I think that card is worth building around for sure. That is the enabler slash payoff card that this deck really wanted. I was also playing a bunch of, like, Mana Reshapers, some Pilgrim's Eyes, some Foul Emissaries, and Distended Mindbender just because I think Mindbender's good. Uh, I think the other stuff is passable. Flare is good, but, like, the rest of the Delirium stuff is not great. So I was just trying to kind of, like, mash these ideas together where I wanted Mindbender plus uh, Foul Emissary. And, uh, yeah, had some, like, Lilianas to go with the Grim Flares, which I think is a pretty nice combo. I didn't really feel like any of the other two drops were all that great. Like, you could play Advocate or Duskwatch Recruiter, but I have found that unless you have Cryptolith Rites with Duskwatch Recruiter... Having, like, Sanctum of Ugin and those cards is not really a combo, and especially since they don't curve well with your Emerge stuff unless your Recruiter is flipped. Uh, so, yeah, I just had, like, a bunch of, like, two-man interaction, and that was kind of, like, how I started the game, and then uh, had the three-drop into Mindbender and stuff, and I went 2-3 against the Spirit deck. Spirit deck seems like a bad matchup in general because you're, like, kind of this expensive, like, sorcery speed-ish deck, and they have a bunch of, like, cheap tricks and stuff, but I'm kind of interested in building a lower-to-the-ground kind of beat downy delirium deck with Narwood Dryad, Mindrack Demon, and like actually filling the curve with powerful stuff and hoping that 
if you have a bigger battlefield presence, then getting your Mind Rack Demon Reflector Mage is not going to be a big deal. So Definitely definitely agree with you on most of those points. Liliana Grimflare interaction is just fantastic. Uh, I've had really good experiences with Mind Rack Demon, and just most of the Delirium cards on curve, including the Spider, have been very, very, very impressive. How many spiders are you playing? Dose. Dose. Okay, okay. Dose arachnas. But, I, had, I had one in my sideboard, and it got Clash of Wills, and I died. Uh, sad. But I will disagree with you on just how good Distended Mindbender is. I've been... The more and more I've played, I've been more unimpressed with the 8-drop Emerge guys. Okay, so we figured this out today. Uh, Mindbender is good in the mirrors, obviously, because they generally have 3s and 8s. Yep. Uh, so it could be that Mindbender is a place where you go when people are playing these sorts of decks where they have the, the Elder Deep Fiend and stuff. I think Mindbender is good against the decks that used to exist, but is probably not going to be great against the decks that will exist now, just because I feel like there aren't going to be a lot of four drops, and if you're on the draw, they're probably just going to play their four drop anyway. Completely agree with you. Your three drops that you want to sack, definitely Foul Emissary and Pilgrim's Eye being weak to Liliana is a huge liability in these mirrors. I would opt more for Matter Reshaper or something else. Yeah, I, I had Matter Reshaper. I also started with Nissa, but Pilgrim's Eye seemed like a better Nissa, especially if we were playing Delirium stuff. Yeah, that's true. You can go get a Wastes. Were you playing Wastes? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. I, I, had, I had like Contortions, Matter Reshapers. Like, I had a bunch of stuff. All right. Was Grimflayer's mana cost ever a problem? Oh, I had a couple Terrarians also. Oh, jeez. I was pretty deep. It, it was probably too deep. Yeah, it sounds sounds too deep I, to me. I think that deck probably had to like reel it back a little bit. No, I mean like you can play basically as many green black dual lands as you want. I don't know. Like obviously Grimflare and Waste is not a great combo. Yeah, I mean I, I would try to build the deck like hard one way or the other. Basically, um, I would not do like this mishmash that I did. I also agree on the point that Sylvan Advocate is not as good anymore. I've been pretty unimpressed in uh, playing games so far. Well, I think the games, like the tempo of the games is just quicker, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. The format's just faster and more powerful. Yeah. So just, yeah, getting the six lands just like doesn't really happen all that often. Or, or like it does, but then like, you know, the, this four or five is not like holding it down like it used to, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not the biggest thing on the block anymore. I also think maybe it's because like you're not pairing with your advocates with Jaboka's command as frequently. I mean, we can we can kind of get into that a little bit later, but that that is kind of my impression as well. Oh, but I'm I'm pairing them with Hissing Quagmire. Ooh, right? <laughs> is it isn't that well, a combo? Not as good as Lumbering Falls. Your your Sanctum of Ugin Hissing Quagmire Sylvan Advocate deck is. Eh. Dude, that just sounds like good deck building. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to note from my side that I thought Foul Emissary was was pretty powerful and an imposing card to play against. It was. Uh, I did not think about mirror matches. Andrew's point about that is like, uh, you know, it is definitely correct. Like, if you play Emissary and they play Liliana, like that's a pretty big tempo loss for you. So. Yeah. So I guess if you don't start with a two and you just play like a Matter Reshaper, like Liliana is still really good against that too. I think Liliana is just a good card. So I don't know. I, I think basically you need more twos in your deck or you know, maybe start playing some one drops or whatever, you know, you got to find a way to actually like get on board and deal with that thing. Yeah, definitely. Like getting your, your three drop that you want to emerge on turn four, like either reflector mage or removed is just such a huge loss for these decks. Like having to hold back your distended mind bender as it gets worse as the game goes on is definitely a liability. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I really like trying to put Cosmolex return in these decks because then it's just like, if, I mean, we could just segue right into Blue Red Emerge, I guess. Well well done. Well done. Okay. Uh, so, I, dude, a Andrew set it up. I knocked it down. 
So Majors and I kind of broke it, I think. I think this deck is really good. Andrew, do you have this deck list? Did we give this to you? Probably not. Uh, I can I can assume what's in it. Ooh, I don't know, man. Majors, do you think he's going to be correct? I, I think I'm really sad I'm not going to Columbus. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Because I think this deck is insanely good. This is what I'm playing for sure. Uh, so... Well, tell me the spicy cards. Come on, okay. I can use my imagination for most of it. Tell me the yeah, stuff I wouldn't. So, so Manor Reshaper, Eldrazi Sky Spawner, Spatial Contortion. Right? I mean, you probably know yeah. like the cards in the deck. It's just like I think the deck is just actually well built. Uh, yeah. So the thing is, is that I want K returns because yeah, people people are gonna figure it out. They're like, oh, Manor Reshaper, you are an emerge strategy. So I'm gonna try and kill that thing. But people aren't killing you, like, super quick, especially if you're also doing stuff. It's not like you get Reflector Mage and you're like, oh, man, I only have all eight drops or whatever. I have to pass the turn, and then you just get beaten down. Like, eventually, I think you're going to be able to cast an Emerge thing, and then Trigger and K-Return is, like, basically what beats all these decks. And sometimes, like, if you're playing against, like, Boss Humans or whatever, like, you might not have time to cast it. Or I think, like, Bad Humans is probably a better example where it's just, like, they might just have a bunch of X3s or whatever, and casting the K-Return doesn't actually do anything. So we wanted profitable ways to actually discard it. So we started playing a bunch of Tormenting Voices and Jaces. All right, I can see that. Uh, I guess in a world with not as many Dromokas commands, Jace definitely gets a lot better. Dude, whatever. Like, if, if they're like a Sylvan Advocate Dromokas command deck and they kill our Jace, like, that's fine. Well, I mean, I yeah, mean, if they're playing that deck, then, like, it's just not good right now. Well, no, like, even if they're banned humans or whatever, like, I don't really care. It just means that... They didn't develop their board on turn two. I may or may not have a, a Kozilek's return. But now that they, like, slow down a turn, then I actually have, like, a window to cast this K return and have it be fine, you know? So I, I feel like the point of, like, oh, they're just going to, like, figure out you're an emerge deck and kill your three drop or bounce your three drop or whatever, like, it doesn't really matter as long as you have K return in your deck because eventually you're going to be able to cast one of these eight drops. Like, they can't keep you off it forever. Yeah, all right. I can I can definitely see that if we're playing Jaces and Tormenting Voices. It's much more difficult to like sculpt the game state to where punishing their emerge card is the the main thing to do i, I was just going to talk about the nicest thing i did to jerry was like he like mind bended me and like was kind of just like beating me the whole game i was just like really low on resources and eventually like i just had like seven lands and i played a thought not seer and put the trigger on the stack and then flashed an elder deep fiend and k returned him and then he had nothing yeah it was it was so dope do you feel smart well i mean thin-ish and then I search for something with Sanctuary <laughs> you know, again. He always feels smart. Duh. Oh, man. So this deck has Wretched Griff, too, to give you a higher density of... Yep, uh, I can definitely see that. That's a, it's a, it's a it's a good card. I feel like that's something people are kind of missing with their first pass, is they're like, you know, they get it. Like, Deep Fiend's super powerful, but, like, once you are kind of building the deck around doing this very, like, cohesive, singular strategy, like, Wretched Griff is, is an awesome compliment. Yeah, agreed. I showed this list to a couple people, and they're like, ugh, why is the Griff in the deck? Why are you playing Super Tormenting Voice? And it's just like, man, you are, you're behind. You don't get you it. <laughs> yep. Uh, you, you have not played the games, because Majors and I actually did play some games. Yeah, this deck is great. Uh, I, I just wish the tournament was, like, next weekend. I have it, like, sleeved up sitting on my table in my living room. I'm just, I'm ready to go. Dude, I'm ready to play my pre-release, man. That's going to be gas. I wish it was tomorrow. Uh, do you want the Pro Tour or Columbus tomorrow? <sighs> the Pro Tour? Like, I'm just I'm just going to, like, sit on the sidelines and watch as everyone plays with the sweet sweet decks, and then, like, the metagame's going to get flushed out, and, like, I don't know, things are just going to change, and I'm going to be sad. I, w I wanted the, the, the Pro Tour to happen before the full, full spoiler was out, like, last Thursday or something, after Jerry and I yeah. played, like, 10 games. Ten games. We solved it, boys. Well, yeah, we did. 
Majors and I work well together because we both kind of like process the information the same way where it's like we look at what is happening in the games and like the things that matter and how the games play out. And it's just like, okay, these are the important things. Therefore, the matchup is about these things. How can we like shift that dynamic in our favor and kind of gain an edge that way? And it's not about just like playing a hundred games and memorizing the play patterns and just like getting used to it, being able to play on autopilot and stuff. It's just like, no, actually breaking them down and figuring it out. And then we play a few more games to figure out if we're right or not, and eventually we are. I'm not smart enough to do that. I think I think you just need to play more games of Magic as a whole and actually try and figure out like what's going on in the games as they're happening. That's basically it. Uh, I, I think I play more Magic than you. I mean, likely now, but certainly not like in our lifetimes. Oh, well, like, I just have certainly. To, I, I have you annihilated, but uh, I, I think for me... The, the thing about magic is, like, I want to figure out the hows and the whys and not just, like, oh, who won the game. Well, you know, I mean, I obviously it's not about that. It's about the, the entire learning process. It's all a learning process. Yeah, man. Improve the process. We're getting a little derailed here, I think. I, even though this is good conversation. We, we are. Dude, we, we have random tangents. I think that's okay. Uh, I can segue, though. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Segue away. All right. Next. Bant humans slash boss humans. Majors, put these in the same category. I kind of disagree, but I think it's relevant to talk about them both. Well, so, so my thinking is that, like, it is totally reasonable for somebody who, you know, hasn't invested a lot of time into the set or looking over the set to show up to, for uh, the SG Tour stop in Columbus with Bant Humans or Boss Humans. Like, you're going to have a, a fine deck, I think. It's fairly likely that you should just play, like, basically the old stock, you know, list, whatever whatever you had it at right at that point. And then like yeah, or maybe things to look at shove in two Thalia's or whatever and call it a day. Yeah, like like Thalia's been really good every time we've cast it. So I, I assume yeah. that card should should go in Bant Humans and probably boss humans, even though eighteen lands is a stretch there. I'll have Tom figure that out. I'm not really sure. Tom hates it, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it is good in the Expedition Envoy deck. I feel like it is really good in, in the actual Bant Human deck and you had one in your spirit deck and actually looked pretty good too. Yeah, it, it was awesome in my spirits deck. I just kind of threw one in there because I wanted to try her out. And she was great. Yep, that card is just fantastic. And then uh, Tamio, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I, I found Tamio to be pretty good. My biggest thing against it is if we're playing with like Duskwatch Recruiter and Collected Company, like bogging down the amount of actual hits we get could be a liability. Sometimes Avison could be better, but it's still early, so we don't really know the exact configuration. Yeah, mostly I was putting Tamio in like the Ojitai's command slot. Just one of or? Like one or two, you know, just like just to try it, but not going super hard on it. To me, what was impressive about her is it's like she can put you in some weird squeezes where both people have like reasonable battlefield presences and like she plays especially well with Sylvan Advocate because the plus ability kind of works on offense and defense. You know, it, it kind of made it to where like I couldn't race as effectively because then Tamio just like shifts gears and she like ices two of your things with her minus two ability and then you're under a ton of pressure and like it all starts to fall apart. I, I think she's tough to play against and like if things are even or if you're a little ahead, she's like I I want to say impossible to beat, but she's really really hard to beat. And from behind, I can definitely see like her minus catching you up. I remember playing the one game where I had the second Tamio and like the double freeze was insane. Yeah, it's just like game over. Like, I, I think a lot of people look at her and then it's like, well, if you're behind, you're just going to like plus two things and she like turns into divination. It's like, that's not very good, but I think minus and then you actually get some time to like build your battlefield back up and then you start plusing and then you start to pull ahead. I don't know, man. Most cards in this format are not very good when you're behind. 
Thought Not Seer, Reality Smasher, Duskwatch Recruiter, like, so many cards that people play, like, are, are not things that catch you up. They are things that either, you know, solidify your presence or put you over the top. So both of you have kind of mentioned Duskwatch Recruiter, and I think that card has gotten significantly worse, and kind of what very just there, There's on. not time. Yeah. There's no time. Just like a 2-2 two -two is like not too relevant because there's tons of, you know, two threes floating around or three two first strikers or four fours for two or whatever. And you just you just can't really activate this card. Yeah, like you definitely need Cripple Threat to even have enough time or like resources to even activate it and get some value off it. Okay, so so what does ban humans do? They just they slide in a couple new cards, but that's basically about it, right? Like I, I remember glancing at the spoiler for cards with creature type human and basically found nothing yeah i think they figured out that like you couldn't really give them anything more yeah i mean lieutenant and always watching and a bunch of other stuff is like already pretty good so i mean like thalia is there right and thalia is a big deal uh but like what does boss humans do is this is, this is just like the the sly deck right that kind of like keeps everyone honest that that's actually why i think the blue red emerge deck with k return is like you know busted is because normally i, I would point to boss humans being like okay, this is the deck that's going to punish all the cool stuff I want to do. It's just going to run me over. But, like, it might not. Like, you know, the front end of K returns pretty relevant against most of their draws. And certainly when you can, like, flash back the back end on turn four, it's just game over. You know what I love about the blue-red deck, though, is, like, all the random pain lands, and you just get to sideboard Radiant Flames. Yeah, I mean, that's Ooh. definitely a thing. So, like, you, you have a pretty good shot of actually just kicking it for three if you need to. And if you want more sweepers against something like Boss Humans, where it is just like K return or flames on turn three or bust. Like you actually have more options for that. So yeah, you just draw your ugly battlefield forge and you're like, yes, I got him. Oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> never, never been happier to see a pain land against my mono white beat down opponent. I did include in the notes red because I have kind of a funny story where I went over to Jerry's house to start testing and Tom Ross was there and Jerry had like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to preface the story. All right. Okay. Go ahead, I, go ahead. I, 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 I have some ideas, you know, they're not all good, right? But, you know, I want to try them, okay? That's it, go ahead. <laughs> that, that's it? That's all the... And he's he's doing something. I think he's, like, recording a video or something. I'm, I'm doing a podcast, but, like, Todd Stevens was coming through, and I built three standard decks, three new standard decks. Yeah, so I see the standard decks on the table, and, and Tom's just sitting on the couch, and I'm like, you know, you want to battle? He's like, sure. I'm like, I think he's got humans, and, and Tom's like, all right, whatever. So he picks the deck up. We play two games. There's there's red cards in it. Tom is, like, visibly upset about how bad the cards are. <laughs> <laughs> he just, like, throws down, like, on weird garrison. He's like, uh, uncastable. If this is anything, I would have beaten you. Oh, man. Yeah, so I, I get out of my thing, and he was like, hey. I was like, what's up, Tom? And he's just like, Handwork Garrison's unplayable. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, Tom, I got it. You know, like, I just knew that he played games with my deck. And it's just like, it's one of those things where, okay, so I played I played his Legacy Infect deck once, and he walked over at the exact moment where I was, like, actually just throwing a match away. And he, I saw him, like, walk away in disgust. And so it's like, I, I build this deck, and I know that he, you know, he definitely wants to build his decks in a certain way, and, like, it, they're generally correct. Uh, and then for this one, this was like the one thing that I was just like, oh, I hope Tom just never sees this, you know? I messed up against like an Aether Sworn Canvas or whatever, and I'm just like, oh man, I hope like Tom never hears about this. And I turn around, and he's just there. And I'm like, oh man. So he just like, he keeps catching me, like doing this stuff. 
I, he probably just thinks I'm real stupid. That's all. Yeah, you wanted to play like the three games in the privacy of your own home and just get rid of the deck, and we never would have talked about it ever exactly. again. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we're still on the topic of uh, Bant, right? Bant humans or boss humans. You know, whatever what, you want to talk what about. about. What about like OG Bant, like Pro Tour Shadows Bant with updates? Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the next one. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one. I see the appeal of Spellqueller. Like, is is that kind of what we're gravitating towards? That's that's exactly where I'm gravitating towards. Okay, so are we are we talking like the bounding crisis deck? Like, what what are we cutting for Spellqueller? Yeah, we're we're talking about the bounding crisis deck. Three three to four Jace, like two Nissa, some crisis maybe. Like, I I just I'm I'm trying to get like a an idea of where we're working off of here. Yeah, you know, like you replace the Bounding Crisis with Spellqueller. You might put in some Tamios over some Jaces, over some Mojitai's Command. You know, just kind of retool the old the old Genius deck. And, uh, you know, it's it's been performing pretty well for me. You're really good at getting ahead with, uh, you know, Spellqueller and your two drops. And you get to play Tamio and get yourself even more ahead. But I'll agree, it's very bad from playing from behind, just like most of the cards we talked about earlier. Yep. Okay, a couple questions. How many lands and how many Duskwatch Recruiters? 25 lands, four Duskwatch recruiters, not sold on that one. Oh, I hate both bad. of those numbers. Yeah, me too. Uh, so I like, I really like 26 land just because you, you basically like never run out of stuff to do with your mana and all you want your, your lands to do is like ETB untapped and you basically want to hit a land drop every turn. Uh, I still think Nissa is probably dope, but I totally understand if you end up needing like some more stuff that actually interacts with the board in like Bounding Crassus, but... It does seem like with Duskwatch Recruiter kind of getting worse, and there not really being a replaceable two-drop for it, I'm like, I'm kind of sketched out here. I don't know. And like Jace was already yeah. kind of mediocre. Look, I'm not saying it's sliced bread. I'm just saying, you know, we have to consider it. There's... No, Spellqueller is an upgrade to the deck, correct? Yes. Okay, then then we have to talk about it. You know, like that that is just going to be a relevant thing. Uh, how often do you find yourself like... I had some people, I forget who said this, but it was like, oh man, you can like company in response to their languish and hit a spell queller. Nice. <laughs> like, do you, do, you, do you ever do stuff like that? Or is it just like, nah, man, that's fine. I'll cast company because if I brick, all my stuff dies. You know, like, I don't know. I thought I thought people were going like a little bit overboard with spell queller in the company deck, but. Uh, people are just excited about new stuff, man. Yeah, they're living life on the edge, man. That's. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a way to do it. That that is one way. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It also gets Thalia Heretic, which is uh, it's great when you. Okay, so your deck your deck has thirty five <laughs> blue drops. And it's like Six, Sixteen threes, four twos, six fours, and uh, four battle of battle of wits. <laughs> yeah. Is it, do you have like four lone dryads that you know you can nut draw them and like play two three drops on turn five or something? All right. If I'm being honest, I didn't build the deck. It was just on our forum and I played it and it was fine. That's all I'm. That's all I'm giving you. Okay. No, that's that's reasonable, man. I'm not. You know, I'm not judging your your deck building prowess, man. I know you got chops. I, I mean, it certainly makes sense that Spellqueller would make that deck. You know, be put back in the discussion. Like, I get it. Oh, it's already coming back, or like Brad and BBD kept trying to make it come back. Yeah, they, they kind of have an obsession with like Dustwatch Recruiter, I think, though. That, that's my theory. Yeah, that's reasonable. Fair obsession. It's a good card. Okay, so Andrew, answer me this. How has Green White Tokens done in your testing? Poorly. Is it is it like really poorly, or is it just like worse than it was before? Well, it didn't get anything. Like, we, 
it, it's it's hard to upgrade it. Like I, I I don't know how to improve the deck. Yeah, can you side grade it? Is that, is that, <laughs> cool? is that a thing? <laughs> can, I, I, can you like move somewhere parallel that is like better in this format? I, I don't know, man. It just didn't get too much. I, I've been consistently unimpressed with Decimator of the Provinces. And Why the hell would you play that card in that deck? Dude, I don't know. I'm just trying stuff, man. You know, this is this is the time to try stuff. Bro, you got Hangerback Walker in your deck. Like, <laughs> dude, you can't just put that card in your deck, though. I mean, you could make a Decimator deck, but you can't... That card would just... You know, if, if I could play it like a month ago, I would never consider playing that card in the deck. Oh, sure. Also, yeah, like Spell Queller definitely embarrasses green-white tokens as well. Oh, man. I gotta imagine, like, being on the draw and, like, they play a Gideon and you just quell it. and It's just like, that's game over, right? It also embarrasses Hangerback. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Tom and I were talking on Monday, I think, about just, like, Spell Queller in general and, like, what spells actually become dead after they get quellered. Can, can I talk about the card that we have in our blue-red deck, Michael? Are you writing about it? I assume you are, because if you're not, I probably am. Sure. I actually don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, so Titan's Presence? Oh, word. Yeah, so I like this card in the 5-6 the Mirrors, and we're talking about things that have, like, additional costs or whatever, just, like, things that are slightly worse if they get spell quellered, and, like, Hangerback Walker was definitely the one. It's like, man, that deck has Reflector Mage and Spell Queller. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just such a nightmare. So, so for me, like, if we just go down the list of decks we've talked about up to this point, it's like Blue White Spirits, Green White Tokens has always been weak to Flyers. Spell Queller is a huge beating. Nibbles of Frost is really hard to race, and like, pretty difficult for you to like finagle an Avison flip to actually kill it, since you can probably just get it to a four four. Green White Delirium has like Distended Mindbender, maybe, or it's just like aggressive with like Mindrack even as a, another huge flyer. And Distended Mindbender, yeah. like, God forbid if you take, like, Gideon Dramoko's command, the game just ends. And you have a 5-5. And you have a 5-5. So big. And then if you and go you to... And you have Grim Flare. It's so good. If you go to Blue Red Emerge, we have, you know, Unbeatable, Mistbind Click, Time Walk, Tutor, Wrath of God. So, you know, yeah, how are you going to beat that? You never beat that card. If you get to cast that card, even without a K return, whatever. It's like you Time Walk them, you Sack Sank them, you can even just, like, run it back off the same elder you know like you you play the first one use it to sack to the second one and it's like you just get two free turns and like god knows how many points of damage you know? and finally getting to bant humans and boss humans some coin flips that's cool these yep. these were matchups yeah, that, that we right. weren't even necessarily like beating all the time i mean they were competitive and we were winning a lot of the time but like i didn't want to play against bant humans necessarily yeah, I won a bunch, but at the same time, it was like, man, that was close, yep. you know? Like, I had to get, like, lucky in these spots or whatever. And I had to, like, build my cyborg correctly to, like, do it. Like, you know, you were kind of asking a lot. Yeah, agreed. I, I talked today in our Versus video, and I always get this weird feeling where it's just like, oh, man, are these are these emerge cards busted? Like, because I'm pretty sure they're busted, and we played some games, and they look busted, but then people seem to, like, not think the same stuff as us. So it's like, we say stuff like green white tokens is dead, you know? And But it's like, you just look at it logically and it's like, yeah, it's like pretty bad now. Yeah, it's pretty dead. So I'm, I'm pretty sure we're correct about all this stuff. Like Andrew, uh, Deep Fiend, thumbs up, I assume? Uh, thumbs up, not as big of a thumbs up as uh, last week, but still thumbs up, great card. It's just not, okay. it's not sliced bread, but it's excellent. Word. Okay, well, maybe you should try pairing it with Kozilek's Return. Well, sure, mm -hmm. let, I'm about to build this deck right after the show, and then I'm going to play okay. a bit, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, well, I'm going to play in Columbus, so if you want to give me any technology that I can ruin for your team, that'd be great. Uh, nah. 
How about this? How about this? I can I can test the deck in the tournament for your team and report back with my results. Well, I, I've not been known for a good list, so I <laughs> you should definitely go somewhere else. I don't know, man. Last time I saw you play a blue-red deck, you did pretty well. Sure. Uh, I didn't build that deck. Well, I'm, I'm also fully aware of that. Okay, so uh, it looks like Majors died. <laughs> he just, like, fell off somehow. Um, well, I think we, we still have one more talking point, right? Oh, we do. Silly tribal decks. Yeah. See, that was, that was Majors' talking point. Well, I mean, I have some experience with uh, zombies. Okay, I, I tried to build them and they all looked pretty bad. <laughs> they are just embarrassing. The one drop is just pathetic. It doesn't even do the best possible thing that it could do. Like the best new card in the deck is the XX zombie card and it's still just not even close to good enough. That card does seem pretty nice though. It's a nice card, but when you're playing a bunch of other bad cards in black, which is a relatively underpowered color right now, I'm definitely not on board with it. Yep, definitely agree there. Vampires, I've liked it. See, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to build the deck. So, like you say, vampires, I can't picture what your deck looks like. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna keep it like that, unfortunately. But no, no, that's that's cool. I'm just saying that you're like, I like vampires, and it's like, well, that's nice, man. That doesn't help anyone. Yep, uh, I'm just saying that the vampires cards are a little underlooked, not as looked at in depth right now, and I think there's a lot there. There's some pretty messed up cards if you think about it. For Baltimore, when Shadows came out, that was the first tournament of the the season, I guess. Uh, I worked on Vampires a little bit, and I identified things that, like Call the Bloodline. I was like, okay, this is probably like a thing that they want to be good in this deck, right? Then just like played some with them and just like repeatedly got beat up by just every deck ever. So I was like, oh man, you know, that was like kind of a waste of time, just kind of got burned. And it's like, okay, well now there are some new humans cards, so like maybe we should build that. Then I was just like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let someone else figure it out, you know, because I'm, I'm probably pretty bad at building these tribal decks. Then, you know, humans just like dominates week one or whatever, but I'm, I'm still kind of in the same spot where I'm like, all right, those vampire cards look good, but I'm gonna let someone else figure it out. Yeah, well, first off, don't play with Call of the Bloodline. Well, that card seems way too slow now. And yeah. there's like so many, so many wild mongrels. Yeah, there are a lot of wild mongrels, but you know, deck construction, use your imagination. I think the deck's pretty good. So now with Major's back, uh, maybe you can help fill us in on these these tribal decks here. Andrew seems to think that zombies are bad and vampires are great, but he won't tell us about a secret for technologically driven vampires deck. Whoa, you have a secret vampires deck? Oh yeah, man. Super secret. Like you don't have to like invite them into your home. Like they're just super powerful. <laughs> yeah, man, they're they came for battle. I, I don't know. I actually think the zombies deck has a lot of potential. I think in general people are kind of too obsessed with like I gotta play all the like obvious lords and payoff cards and whatnot. But like yeah, I think you, the... you just have to build a beatdown deck. No, no, no. I, I... No, I think that's where people lean. But like, I was looking at zombies. Oh, and I, I was doing. I was doing the same thing as you. I was like, oh, can I get like Jason this deck? You know? Yeah, like I, I think the the deck can just be like super grindy, and like you can do some like insurmountable stuff with like uh, Crypt Breaker, and I'm not going to pronounce this right. Prized Amalgam. Prized no, Amalgam. No, with like. You you Amalgam. nailed it. Okay. Yeah, nice. And that with like you know Relentless Dead is is kind of this like three piece combo with Gisela and. Giraffe? Giraffe and Gisela? I, I don't know. Anyways, the uh, two... Gisa. Two... Gisa, yeah, yeah, or two... Gisa. G G Gisa and Giraffe. Anyways, the 2UB um, gold card that got printed in Eldritch Moon. So I think, like, you know, a turn five sequence of, like, play Gisa, 
flip over whatever, play Crypt Breaker, and then like return Amalgam is like a pretty powerful combination. And like maybe you can throw in some. Yep, it's good. Yeah, I think so. So another side note on these like tribes with the uh, allied colors is you unfortunately have to play with Sunken Hollow and Choked Estuary. Just the the Shadowlands and the Battlelands are just so unconducive for aggro decks that. Most of the tribes, although they are allied colors, it's it's hard to build an aggro deck because your your mana base is going to be like not an aggro mana base, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's fine, especially with the decks that Majors is talking about, where they're a little bit more grindy. Yeah, sure, yeah. but like a, like an aggro zombies deck with like four sunken hollow just sounds miserable. I, I just wouldn't want Jason in my aggro zombies deck, but whatever. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, the the point I'm trying to make here is like. I haven't really, like, I've just, i put some, like, you know, numbers on paper, but I haven't actually played any games with the deck. I think kind of the way that we, you know, envision these decks traditionally is not the way you want to go. So keep an open mind. I think maybe, like, a grindy mid-range version of Zombies could be quite powerful. Yeah, remember that, like, zombie bidding was a deck, right? Like, there were lots of ways to build your tribal decks. And I think, I think Liliana plus Dark Salvation, that's the card, right? Majors, your yep. preview card. Yep, okay, yeah, that card's yeah. that card's great. Yeah, I think both of those are like very grindy and good. I think both of them work well with Jace. And I was looking at the zombies. It's like I don't really want Husk. I don't really want Diagraph Cool. I don't really want Crypt Breaker because I don't have any other zombies. So okay, I'm over it. You know, I was I was like thinking about like playing like Languishes and stuff too. So I could totally see like a 16 creature zombie mid range control deck stuff doing well. And obviously, I'm trying to put Distended Mindbender in this deck because, you know, why wouldn't I? It's also quite yeah. good with, like, Prize Amalgam. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah, I can see that. All right, so uh, basic thoughts for Week 1 Standard. You guys have any advice or, yeah, just thoughts, I guess? I don't know. Play good cards. Don't play an awkward deck. Make sure, like, adhere. If you're, if you're hesitant, adhere to, like, two colors or two with a splash. Make sure your curve is reasonable. Don't get destroyed by Reflector Mage. Like, because I think it's going to be super aggressive. Yep, definitely agree with most of that. Don't try to be cute on week one. You want to be able to prey on the people who try to be cute by just smashing them with really good cards. I'm going to do that while also being cute. Jerry, you're just pretty cute overall, so you just got it in spades. Thanks. All right, that's it for Standard. I think it's going to be interesting. And also, I want to note, I guess, real quick, that we we had, like, the metagame down pat for week one of Baltimore, but just minus the the human decks and like the band company decks, which ended up being the biggest decks, right? So it's like we figured out a lot of baseline stuff, but at the same time, we also like missed a deck or two that ended up being very good. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. Uh, I've said this before, like this set is very, very powerful. I would not be surprised if, you know, someone comes up with something cool, but... That is gonna do it for our standard talk, but we got we got some extra uh wall mysteries here. Are we ready for this? Lay it on me. Let's do it. From at Mitch underscore Pierce. Why can't an essence scatter counter an essence flux? Hmm. What what does the word flux actually mean? A changing. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I don't know. I'm I'm stumped. I guess you can't scatter something that's already in motion i guess sure you can right. why can't you 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 just make it go in motion in a different way in a different place that's yeah, definitely true all right i'm some stumped michael dude i got nothing <laughs> majors stop it all right vocabulary is uh, not the strong suit well i actually what, just majors? took some like vocabulary test on the internet like today <laughs> funny that you admit how'd, how'd you do i'm i'm apparently in the top five percent 
Oh man, you're real smart. Yeah, obviously. And handsome. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, at Jonas Dash asks, can a blind seer block invisible stalker? Uh, blind seers, the that's the guy that changes stuff's color, right? Well, in the story, it's actually Urza too, which is kind of dope. Flavor. Uh, <laughs> I just don't even understand the question. Uh, so like in, invisible stalker gets through because people can't see him so they can't block him but the blind guy can't see anyway that's the joke but he can still block stuff so is he like daredevil is he just like oh you're invisible but i can still hear you or like hear your heartbeat or whatever but like urza wasn't known for being daredevil no 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 no, no, no. no like ignore the thing i said about the storyline because blind seer is also not a legendary creature and it might have not been urza it might have been someone else i think it was urza but Regardless, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I guess if you like smell them. I mean, I think it's all kind of messed up because like right, doesn't Invisible Stalker have like clothes and he wears equipment all the time. I mean, in the in the Invisible Stalker art, he's wearing a hat, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty foolish if you're trying to go unblocked. But I guess he could just smell his hat. So I'd say that was uh, smelling the hat. That's my answer. Probably didn't want to like commission the artist just to have like, you know, nothing in the picture. That would be awesome. Yeah, I guess that would be pretty funny. Okay, uh, last one. I am so bad at pronouncing Dutch names, but it is from at T-H-I-J-S. This? I don't know. Vandermeer. Why isn't the island of Wok Wok an island? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> what actually is Island of Wok Wok? What's its, it's type? Dude, I don't know. I don't I don't want to look this up. It's some non-basic land that does something, right? Uh, it is just land. Tap to reduce target flying creature's power to zero. That's it? The Isle of Wok Wok, home to a tribe of winged folk, is named for a peculiar fruit that grows there. The fruit looks like a woman's head, and when ripe, speaks the word wok. God, that is weird. <laughs> that's, that's the flavor text. <laughs> Dude, magic magic has changed. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different game. I, I I don't know. I got nothing on this one. I, you you played when that card was out, right, Jerry? Yes and no. Like I started playing in Invasion. I wasn't playing in Arabian Nights. I don't know. I have no frame of reference in terms of old set. I started playing during a Rise of Eldrazi, so I'm a baby. He's just saying like Walk Walk is isolated. I don't know. It, it is literally called the Island of Walk Walk. Why is it not I an mean, island? I, I, I don't know. It could just be that, you know, it's one of those islands that just doesn't have blue mana, right? Maybe uh, the the woman fruit heads are taking it all. Does it tap know. for mana? No. So it's God. it's not an island then. It can't, doesn't, it's not like a land. It's a desolate it, it land. Is, it is literally a land. But yeah, man, maybe there's just no mana there. Maybe that's it. In the Bermuda Triangle or something. Something strange <laughs> going on there. Okay, so I'm going to end the show there. And uh, we have one more show, I believe, before y'all go off to the Pro Tour. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And yep. since Andrew Andrew has all of his secret technology that he can't talk about, maybe we'll just do some uh, kind of general stuff for next week. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come up with like some interesting topic just to talk about competitive magic in some way or maybe self-improvement or something along those lines. Okay. Uh, also, uh, if anyone is interested in limited content, Andrew is dying to do that. So... Let us know, please. Like, if, if there's any feedback whatsoever, we'd love it. Any feedback, any direction, uh, any specific thing you would like us to talk about, uh, we can do that. That is that is something that could happen. So hit us up on Twitter at the Game Podcast. Uh, tweet at us with 
the hashtag Uvenwald Mysteries, if you got any good ones for us. I think these three just kind of all stumped us, but pretty absurd. I'm Jerry Thompson at G3RRYT. Andrew is at Merc underscore Lurker. I just recorded a video with that card. It did nothing, but it's I still love still it. It's still great, though. And Michael Majors is at Michael J. Majors. So, as always, thank you all for listening, and that's game.